angels come on that first Christmas and they appear to the shepherds. And the line that they sing is in Luke 2.14, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. And those are the words that they sing by a host of angels. It says, uh, heavenly host. I mean, maybe it was all of them. I don't know. Maybe it was every angel. It wouldn't surprise me if all of them were there singing to the shepherds outside Bethlehem on that first Christmas night. But what exactly do those words mean? I mean, we, we quote them, we know them, we've heard them, we've sung them. But if you're looking in the news in 2015, you're wondering what they mean by peace on earth or peace to the earth. It seems to ring a little bit hollow, right? In France and, and now in California this past week, people are still reeling and grieving over the senseless violence, the death and destruction caused by agents of the Islamic State or some other terrorist group we don't know. And there's war and there's chaos and there's destruction. And it's all making it hard to feel very cheerful at Christmas and feel like there's peace on earth because it just doesn't seem that way. So all isn't bright, all isn't calm, there doesn't seem to be peace. So what are the angels singing about? And I mean, if you really take a look at the situation even in Israel at the time, it wasn't all that different when the angels first sang these words. I mean, even in that time, the world that the Son of God was born into was a pretty brutal place as well. Jesus was born in a barn because nobody opened up the door of hospitality to his pregnant mother. And King Herod, the tyrant, ordered all the baby boys around Bethlehem to be slaughtered to protect his throne. And Joseph and Mary barely escape with Jesus and they become homeless refugees in a foreign land. And so this is literally right after the angels sang this. Where is the peace on earth? And setting aside world events, and it may even be that, that all believers here today, this morning, are not even quite at peace. That, that you may not have even left home this morning at peace. Or, or even on the Sunday morning drive to church, an argument broke out in the car. Because that happens, right? It does in my family. You know? You're just trying to pull it all together before you come through the front door. Because there's just... Our peace is disturbed so easily, right? Like even... Somebody can just say a single word. You can just get the wrong look from somebody. And your peace is disturbed. You're, you're no longer at peace. It's such a tenuous thing to remain at peace. And yet the angels sing, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. So the first thing that we want to recognize right away in this announcement is that this announcement of peace is the announcement of a birth. So the peace of God comes in personal form. Jesus is the person of peace. If you take the announcement of the angels to mean that there is going to be some sort of general peace that is now upon the earth, that God is, is, is putting mankind at peace in some sort of geopolitical way, then that's not what it means. This is the announcement of a birth. And so the peace that God is bestowing on the whole earth is coming in the form of the person of Jesus Christ. It's not a vague, theoretical, ideological peace. It's a peace that comes from having a relationship with Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And the peace is immediate. It's not intangible future peace waiting for us in heaven. It does say peace on earth. And so that's important that we recognize that too. It comes in the person of Jesus, 
And it comes immediately. It is meant for us to have peace on earth, even now, in this life. Not just the peace that is waiting for us in heaven, although that's also true. But then also notice this, that this peace is reserved for particular people. And a lot of people miss this. And so often, in fact, in fact, almost every time, when this verse gets quoted, it gets cut short. You've probably heard it as, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Right? That's how we often say it. But that's not actually the whole verse in the original. And your NIV has it right, and the ESV has it right, and the NASB, and pretty much any translation you pick up has it right. It's peace on earth. On earth, peace to those on whom His favor rests. This is not peace from wars. It's not peace from violence, peace from family trouble, peace of financial security. This is a peace for those on whom the favor of God rests. And quite often people forget the rest of that verse when they quote it. And so it's just some sort of blanket peace that everybody is going to get. But it is peace for those, a special kind of peace with God and from God. Not everyone will have it. But it's available to everyone. They just won't all accept it. And now if you fast forward with me just a little bit, from the very beginning of Jesus' life and the announcement of His birth to the very end, and just as the angels announced the peace of God through Jesus at His birth, Jesus, the day before His crucifixion, assures His disciples of this. He says in John 14.27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. So here it is, peace again. And more clues as to what this peace is. He speaks of departing. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. It's a peace that Jesus lives. It's not just a peace that Jesus leaves, but it's even more profoundly, my peace I give you. It's the actual peace of Jesus that He is going to give to His disciples. And it's a peace of His own that He gives to those who follow Him. Understand that at this point, in this last day of His life, after the Passover supper, when He begins this conversation with His disciples, it runs from John 13 right down to the end of John 16, Judas has left. Judas has left the building at this point. And Jesus is now speaking to His true disciples, to His true followers. And you won't find anywhere in the Gospels a more clear description from Jesus of the things that He is leaving as an inheritance to those who follow Him. If you go through uh, this um, sort of last sermon of Jesus to His disciples, He talks about uh, the place that He is making for them in heaven. He's talking about the Holy Spirit that He is going to leave them. He talks about this peace that He's going to leave them. He talks about the reconciliation that's taking place between them and God. He, he outlines dozens of different things that are the reality of the New Covenant. And one of these blessings that He outlines as a reality of the New Covenant is this peace that He is leaving with those who truly follow Him. It's His peace. His peace that He's leaving and it's not just any peace, because we know it's not peace in this world, because nearly every disciple is eventually killed, martyred, for what they believe, so that's not the peace he's talking about. It's Jesus' unique peace, his very own peace. And he emphasizes, I don't give you peace the way the world gives peace. This is a different kind of thing from the peace that you can get from the world, or by pursuing peace the way the world pursues peace. This is a different kind of peace than the world can offer. So don't be afraid. 
So what is this peace? If we are to look at the peace that the angels sang of, that the birth of Jesus and the peace that Jesus promises to his disciples just before he goes to the cross, there are five things, I probably won't go through them all, but there's five things we want to look at. It's peace with God. It's peace with self. A peace apart from circumstances. A peace not like the world. And how that peace is obtained. The first one of those is that it's a peace with God. When the angels sung that there would be peace on earth among men, the words carried the promise of a reconciliation between God and man. That's what they were singing about. That, that God was and man were estranged from each other and that that relationship had to be repaired. But that the Messiah now was born. This was Jesus, the promised one. The seed of Eve that would strike the serpent and that would suffer and die to redeem His people. And by the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we are able to inherit a peace and a reconciliation with God. That is the first peace that the angels are singing of and that Jesus is speaking to His followers of. You can be at peace with God. And we know the whole world is not at peace with God. We're not necessarily all even at peace with God. But this first peace that is unlike the peace of the world is first and foremost a peace with God. You can be His friend through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're able to inherit a peace of reconciliation with God. Through Jesus, God is satisfied that there has been justice for our sin and that Jesus has accomplished the perfect removal of guilt of sin and the forgiveness of all of our offenses against God. And so we're going through life and we've been accumulating these sins and we've been in rebellion against God and we've been shaking our fist at Him from time to time or maybe just ignoring Him and not giving Him any more thought or attention than the carpet on our living room floor, which is a horrible thing to think about the God of the universe that way. And then we come to this point where we, we understand who Jesus is and we are suddenly able to have peace with God where there was no peace before. And that's first and foremost the most important peace that's available to followers of Jesus is peace with God. Jesus has granted to His followers a perfect and glorious righteousness and acceptability to God so that we are no longer in enmity or at war with or under the judgment of God. And the Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the church in Rome and he says in Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There can be no peace of God apart from justification through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and our belief in what Jesus has done and that the promise of God is faithful to accept what Jesus has done. That we are righteous because of Jesus' righteousness. That we are justified because of His sacrifice. That we are legally set right with God through Jesus. This is an actual, real reconciliation. Not just something we made up, that God actually brings to the Christian heart a profound sense of peace. And those of you that are followers of Jesus know what I'm talking about. Because you can go into the presence of God at peace, knowing that you're no longer at war with Him. That you're no longer under His judgment. That because the Prince of Peace was born into this world and lived a perfect life and died a sacrificial death and was resurrected as proof of the promise, you don't have to be worried about the wrath of God. You can be at peace with the maker of the universe. The second thing is, from that heart 
And that first and foremost, most profound peace that comes between us and God comes the second part of God's peace. And it's a peace within. It's a peace with ourselves. And this is a peace of conscience. An actual peace with God that through the atoning sacrifice and this reconciliation and this forgiveness and this restoration to favor, as it becomes a reality in our soul and we become aware of it, we come to this sense of peace knowing that this is not a peace like the world gives, but it's a peace that passes understanding because we're at peace. We we can't even comprehend or explain why we're at peace. And Paul again writes about this peace that's this inner peace that we have, this peace within to a letter to his friends in the city of Philippi. He writes in Philippians 4.7, he says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so the peace of God is an internal peace. It's guarding your heart and it's guarding your mind from exterior circumstances of life that threaten that peace. And the prophet Isaiah speaks about the peace of God as he's prophesying. In Isaiah 26.3, he says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Isaiah says, People who trust in you, you keep them in perfect peace if they just keep their mind stayed, or you just keep your mind centered on God. And the peace of God is yours. And that peace that believers enjoy has at its root a trust in God. It's a trust that you are free from all guilt and sin by the sacrifice of Jesus. It's a trust that you share in the justification of Jesus, just as He was justified. It's a trust that the Holy Spirit is at work guarding your future inheritance and also transforming you now in this life. It's a trust that we are counted righteous as Jesus is accepted as righteous. It's a trust that He has your future and all futures, no matter what circumstances you or anyone else face. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be fearful because God has your future. And He has all the futures in His hands. This inner peace that we have is not dependent on a careful balance of exterior conditions, right? It's not a matter of, well, if I just keep everything peaceful at home and everything peaceful at least, and if nobody upsets this and if nothing happens here, then I'll be at peace. That's not the Christian peace. That's the Christian peace. That's the worldly peace of just trying to manage peaceful situations. It's not the inner peace that God promises. This third part of the peace that God offers is a peace apart from circumstances. The peace continues to go beyond the understanding of the world because the followers of Jesus are able to be at peace even when circumstances aren't peaceful. Followers of Jesus don't need to fear the Islamic State or react with anxiety at the news of refugees. Followers of Jesus can be equally at peace during wars or elections or illness or even family vacations. We can just be peaceful all the time because we have peace with God and we have peace from God. And the writer of Psalms speaks to this and describes the peace of God this way. He says in Psalm 46, 1 and 2, he says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. This is during trouble that God is our refuge. And therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. The psalmist is saying, look, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. Right? The earth can be falling away beneath your feet. Mountains can be curled into the sea. Right? It doesn't matter what the, you know, going on in the Middle East. It doesn't matter what the geopolitical foreign policy stuff is going on. It doesn't matter... 
all of those different wars and disasters and illnesses, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Circumstances are not the source of Christian peace. It's not a matter of everybody learning to get along and being nice to each other, and, and that's why we have peace. No, there will be war, there will be trouble, there will be illness. But we can have a sense of peace despite circumstances. And that peace comes from our understanding that God is our refuge. We have peace despite the circumstances in the world or in our family by reason of our confidence, <coughs> excuse me, that God orders all circumstances and events rightly and arranges them all for our ultimate good and His glory. So it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, because God's got them. God's in control of them. There is nothing happening today that God did not see before the foundation of the world. That He is not working for the good of His people, no matter how disastrous it seems to us. And so our peace comes from an absolute rock-solid confidence that God orders everything and He is sovereign. So poverty, or riches, or storm, or calm, or health, or illness, whatever may be suggested that might be an alarm or a distress to a follower of Jesus, deep down in our soul, we can't be disturbed because we know that our God is in control. And that brings us peace despite circumstances. And fourthly, it is a peace that the world can't understand. The peace that the world might understand is a peace, as I talked about, based on circumstances. We look for peace in the Middle East, or we search for peace in our country, or peace in our family, or peace in our relationships. And what we mean when we say that is we really just mean for all the disturbances to disappear. Right? Like, if all the trouble just disappeared, then we'd have peace. Right? That's what we think of. But that's not the peace of God, because He gives us peace despite circumstances. It doesn't matter if the fighting ends or the arguing stops. Right? We just... If those things may continue on, but we can still be at peace. Just, just calming the waters is the world's understanding of peace. A temporary peace. A peace dependent on a careful management and control of our environment. Or there's another kind of peace maybe that the world understands. That you might pursue worldly peace in this way. That peace could be acquired from sort of cutting ourselves off from those things, right? A, a kind of stoic kind of peace. If you you remember the Stoics or Stoicism, right? Like, you just sort of emotionally detach yourself from what's going on and you don't let it disturb you. You become unemotional or you just don't care. And so you detach yourself. And, and there's a sort of peace that you could sort of accumulate for yourself in the world if you just thought, well, it doesn't matter what's going on over there and I'm not going to care about that person. It doesn't matter. I'm not, you know, I'll just cut myself off emotionally and, and then I suppose you could have a sort of peace. But that's not the peace of God. God doesn't call us to cut ourselves off from caring for the world. In fact, He calls us to love the world even more deeply. And so it can't be that kind of a peace. Or maybe there's another kind of peace, and maybe you've been trying this peace from the world to, to sort of keep yourself calm at night. And this is a peace that the Western world definitely knows. It's a peace that's accomplished by distraction. right? Some people aim for peace by ignorance or distracting themselves from anything that would unsettle them. Right? I'm just not going to read the news. I'm not going to consider the, the plight of the refugees. I'm just going to, you know, turn up the TV or turn up my iPod or I'm going to go to the next movie or I'm going to go to the next party or I'm going to watch American Idol or I'm just, just keep myself distracted long enough and I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I actually feel pretty happy because I just keep all of that stuff at arm's length and I distract myself from it. That's one of the ways you could pursue peace by the world. But the world can't understand the Christian peace. 
that allows our circumstances to be lashed by storms and even our body and our mind to be troubled by disease and yet far down below the waves of the storm there is a deeper peace that Christians enjoy, that followers of Jesus enjoy. And we don't have to distract ourselves and we don't have to cut ourselves off from the world. In fact, we can fully engage with caring and loving the world and the people around us even more than ever and yet still remain at peace because we're at peace with God. He's given us peace within ourselves and we know that He's in control and circumstances don't dictate it. So the last point, where does this peace come from? I'm going to cover it really quickly because this is going to be your homework. If you go to Philippians where Paul was talking about that peace, then you go back to the verses just before, verse Philippians 4, verses 4 to 6. He gives an answer to how that peace of God can be yours. And I'm not going to belabor the point because you've got Bibles and you can go home and read them. But here's the main point. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, or your moderation, it says in some translations. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So where does this peace come from? This is your homework. By rejoicing. It's by gentleness and moderation. It's by caregiving to God. Give your cares over to God. It's by prayer and by thanksgiving. And so if you're struggling with peace, you need to ask yourself, go back to Philippians here and read some of these things and ask yourself, am I rejoicing in the peace that I have with God? Am I rejoicing in the reality that I am no longer at enmity with God? That I am saved, I'm counted righteous, I'm justified by what Jesus has done? Am I being moderate? Or am I getting all worked up about everything? Am I caring too much about the things of this world? Am I caring too much what he said or she said about me? Right? Or am I caring too much about, you know, how much my taxes are going to be this year? Or, or what this bill is? Or, uh, you know, what's going on here or going on there? Because if I'm caring too much about the circumstances of the world, it's going to disrupt my peace. And Paul says, let your moderation be evident to all or your gentleness. React with gentleness to everything. Because God is near. And then he says, don't be anxious, but give all your cares over to God. Have you been doing that? Have you been literally getting before God and saying, here's the stuff I'm afraid of, here's the stuff I'm scared of, here's the stuff I'm anxious of, and just give it to God and know that He's in control? And by prayer and with thanksgiving, are you praying and are you giving thanks? Those are the answers to where peace is found. And so if you as a Christian find yourself not at peace within yourself, then you have to ask, Am I at peace with God, or am I struggling daily with the regret of ongoing sin? Because sin never brings peace. Sin has never done you any good, ever. Sin is the peace destroyer that Jesus came to remove. And so that may be one of the first places you go if you're not at peace, is you go to God and say, God, am I at peace with you? Or am I struggling? Am I living with the regret of unconfessed sin? You can confess that sin, and you can... Be at peace with God and know that you are at peace with God because of what Jesus has already done. Not because of what you have to do or earn, but because of what Jesus has already done. You can be guaranteed that you are at peace with God when you accept the sacrifice of Jesus and follow Him. 
But maybe it's not regret over sin that's disturbing your peace with God. Maybe it's simply a far more common lack of trust and faith that what God intends for you is good. That God is in control of all things, right? Maybe your ground is shaking and maybe your mountains are tumbling. You know, and armies are moving and terrorists are attacking and and you are finding yourself week by week and day by day more and more in fear of what might be going on out there and what might be coming here. And you begin to fear or you begin to despair. And the peace that Jesus offers is the peace that goes deeper than all those sort of uh, emotional and and physiological reactions. And I want to be clear here because it, 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 it involves a little bit of precision. It doesn't mean that we may never in our life ever feel fear. That's not what I'm talking about. Right? You put me on a high enough ledge, I feel afraid. Okay? You put a lion or a gunman in my house, I get scared. Right? We physiologically react to threats. We do fear things, right? Or, let's get really personal, get a bad report from the doctor for yourself or for someone you love. Yeah. You fear. Of course you do. That's your compassion. That's your concern for others and for yourself. I'm not talking about the physiological reaction that we have to news or the situations. What I'm talking about is the peace that goes down deeper beneath that. That says, I'm not going to let that control me. I'm not going to react out of fear. I'm not going to be controlled by fear. I'm not going to be made anxious by the news. Because my peace rests on something that goes deeper than all of that. And the world doesn't know that. Because if they haven't made peace with God, and they are not reconciled and following Jesus, then they don't have anything that goes deeper than that. The only peace they can know is how they react to the doctor's report or to the news. But as followers of Christ, we don't, we don't stop at that level. We go deeper. And there's a peace that Jesus is offering. He says to His disciples, it's a peace that is not like the peace of this world. It's a peace that goes deeper than those reactions. And so we have a deeper peace, a deeper confidence. And so if you're struggling with reacting out of fear or with anxiety, then it's time to go before God and go deeper to the peace of His sovereignty, that He is in control. That He wants what is good for you and will accomplish what is good for you despite what it may look like to us. That's the peace that we have from Jesus. Faith and trust in God's sovereignty and control. And if we are at peace with God and we have peace within ourselves, here's this neat outcome, which is what we were really looking for back at the beginning, right? This is is what we're really aiming at a lot of the times. Right? When we're at peace with God and we have this deep, satisfied peace within ourselves and confidence and trust in God, then one of the results is actually peace with other people on the surface. You know what? The arguing at home dies down. And, and the conflict with co-workers suddenly dissipates because it takes two to argue. And if you just won't get riled up and argue with them, then, then there's no argument. Right? And as we have this peace in God and peace within ourselves, then the environment around us actually has this side effect of becoming more peaceful when we become peacemakers. Isn't that awesome? God gives us this peace with Himself, and then He gives us this peace within ourselves, and from that peace with God and peace in ourselves, we actually do bring peace to the world. We bring peace to our family, we bring peace to our church, we bring peace to our community. Because we simply won't engage in things that aren't peaceful. We become peacemakers. And that's not peace that God promises all the time. We've seen it from the day Jesus was born until this morning on the news. 
be a world at peace. But peace is made possible by the peace of God through Him and through Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. It's such a simple lyric that the angels sang. Peace on earth. And it was such a short promise that Jesus spoke to His followers. He just said, I leave you my peace. But just, we could spend our whole lives learning more and living more in that simple reality of that simple lyric and that short promise. Right? The peace of Jesus came with Him. It came in His person. And He has left His own peace for His followers. And that peace is peace with God and peace within ourselves which leads to peace with others. That's the peace that we have to share at Christmas time with others. That we can pray, that we can speak, that we can act in such a way that the world realizes there will not be peace in their lives until they have peace with God. And from that peace with God falls all the other peace in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word. And as we come into our time together in communion, it's interesting that the record that we have of communion from the Apostle Paul in, in the book of Corinthians is kind of interesting because he, he speaks to them of communion exactly when he's rebuking them for being unpeaceful. He's <laughs> scolding them for their rivalry and their selfishness and their disobedience. And it is a church that is far from peaceful. And into his admonition of them, he says, look, this is how you're supposed to behave. You're supposed to be coming together in communion with God in a peaceful way, in a generous way, in a hospitable way, in a sharing way. And he sets them straight in their behavior by telling them to shape up and take communion properly. And so, Father, I, I pray that as we come to communion now, as we come to share this meal with you, that we would come and share it in peace. That we would be at peace with you, peace within ourselves and not reacting out of fear and anxiety. Establishing ourselves in that deeper term of peace of your sovereignty and control. And also, Lord, I would pray that uh, unlike the Corinthians, we would be at peace with each other. That we would forget past grievances and we would forgive uh, any offense that may be under our skin and we would be able to uh, greet one another with joy